Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, welcome back to yet another episode of Crypto Over Coffee. I hope you're doing well today, and if you're new here, every Saturday we start off the weekend right by breaking down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency over a cup of delicious coffee. Now that being said, in today's episode, I'm talking about Cardano, Gogan, and NFTs, Engine's massive product launches, Bitcoin, our usual 404 Logic Not Found segment, and more, so make sure that you stick around for all the updates in this episode. But as we always do, let's kick it off with questions from you, the awesome folks who watch my channel and listen to the podcast. And if you want one of your questions answered, leave them in the comments down below. Tweet me at Hashoshi4 or leave them in the Hashoshi Discord channel, which will be linked in the description box. And if you would be so inclined, please do subscribe to the channel, hit the bell notification button or follow the podcast so you get a heads up whenever I post new content here on the channel. And so let's go ahead and dive into these questions. Now, the very first question of the day is from Sola. In future episodes, can you share your thoughts on the possibility of DeFi altcoins like ETH and ADA serving as a store of value? And so this question is pretty interesting in the sense that, first of all, I think it's interesting to call, you know, Ether and ADA DeFi altcoins, which actually I could see that being said because oftentimes these smart contract platforms are used for for DeFi, and that's a lot of the conversation that's happening today in the broader market. What I would say to you this question in terms of these uh, cryptocurrencies being a store of value is to look at how the token economics are built, particularly for something like ADA and something like Ether. The supply is a lot, lot larger than something like Bitcoin, for example. And Realistically, it is not a fixed supply. There is not an enforced fixed supply cap. Of course, there is a supply right now that's set, that's circulating. There's inflation rules for you know Ethereum, for example, in terms of how much of a block reward is created uh, from you know epoch to epoch. And the reality is, is that this doesn't mean that it can't be a store of value or that these cryptocurrencies can't be stores of value because they have a large supply and because that supply is not necessarily protocol fixed. However, what I will say is that if you look at the way that these these cryptocurrencies are used, they're more often used like money or like utility rather than as a store of value. People do not simply hold on to their ether and in the future obviously ada does not have smart contracts yet so there aren't as many use cases for the actual cryptocurrency yet that will come but if you look at something like ether people are constantly using their ether to buy altcoins to use things like uniswap or other DeFi and exchange protocols and it's used a lot like money it's used like a utility in the network which is not exactly what a store of value is Uh, Bitcoin is more like a store of value, fixed supply. It's not used in transactions as often. It might be wrapped and used in DeFi sometimes, but not as often. It's there to sort of uh, stabilize or grow your spending power over time. So I would say it's possible that these altcoins could go that way, but right now they're not fundamentally built to do that. And I think for them to be successful at what they want to do, which is to be DAP development platforms, They shouldn't be treated as stores of value. Thank you for your question. Second question is from Twitter from Antonio World Mobile. Uh, For the next Crypto Over Coffee, I have a question. Which are the best NFT projects you've seen so far? 
This is another really interesting question. There's so many that I know I will forget some that I really do like. And so please forgive me if that is the case. My favorite project in the NFT space, without any question, is Engine. I've been a big supporter of Engine for a long time. That's E-N-J-I-N. They finally started getting the recognition they deserve. The creation of the ERC-1155 token standard for fungible and non-fungible tokens, sort of mixed, mixed fungible, is amazing. I love that. I actually have used it so often uh, in my own work, and I'm actually going to do a tutorial about that soon, so stay tuned for that. But I love what they're working on, and I actually have some updates in this episode, so make sure you stay tuned for engine uh, engine updates. But there are so many. I really like Avegache, or Avigachi. I always mess that up. Basically, they have an amazing, amazing take on sort of the Tamagotchi-style pets uh, that you can create, and they're, uh, they're all NFT-based. Really love that project. I also really think that there are some amazing things going on in the world of Phantasma. I did that Ghost Market uh, NFT art contest with Phantasma a while back. I think that that network is really doubling down on making NFTs uh, feasible in the real world for a lot, a lot of people. And so what I'm looking for now is other projects that are pushing the envelope. Uh, Terra Virtua is an amazing project. They've implemented something with licensed NFTs. They have AR, VR components where you can actually see your NFTs tangibly interact with those nfts that's super powerful and then there are you know places like wax for example or rareable where you can actually create and mint nfts without any technical acumen so i think those are some amazing projects as well but of course there's so many really interesting nft projects that have really pushed the envelope in terms of what you can do with non-fungible tokens and this will continue as uh, you know the popularity of nfts continues to grow so we'll start to see maturity uh, over time so thank you for your question. Now, the last question of the day is from Bad Carol. Do you think DeFi markets with their projects, algorithmic stablecoins, yield farming, etc., will plunge if or when Bitcoin has a major collapse? I've heard about the cycles of Bitcoin and the next big collapse in September. So this has been a topic of conversation, the idea of, of super cycles and cycles in crypto. And to an extent, those things are true. There are cycles and we were Many of us were part of this cycle that most people remember in 2017 into 2018, which everyone calls the, the great bear market, if you will. And so what I would say to you in terms of your, uh, your DeFi market plunge, I would agree with you. I think that if and when Bitcoin does have a, a sort of fallback from the, the bullishness that we're seeing today, which inevitably there will be. What you'll see is less growth from DeFi. And what you're going to see is the DeFi projects that don't have staying power, the DeFi projects that don't have uh, user loyalty, that don't have immense utility, that don't have uh, the, the desire to innovate. Those projects will, will fail and those projects will go away. Ultimately, though, there will be DeFi projects that survive long term. I'm thinking of projects like Ave, for example. I'm a huge fan of that project, and I think they will continue to innovate and grow over time because they're thinking far ahead. There are projects now that are, you know, more or less, more or less uh, copycats or cash grabs, etc., and that's totally normal in any space, but especially in crypto. And those projects will go away. So what you're going to see is a consolidation in DeFi, in NFTs, in crypto in general around projects that have staying power, similar to what you saw in 2017 and 2018. A lot of projects in 2017 that ICO'd disappeared, never delivered, or altogether failed, even if they tried. And so I think that is what is going to happen. However, your date of September is totally up for debate. 
I know everyone's kind of tossing around ideas as if they know, but we'll never know exactly when cycles begin and end. It's all a guess. So just make sure that your risk profile and your risk management processes are in place to make sure that you don't get caught and get burned. So thank you so much for your questions. Let's dive into the news. Now, just a friendly reminder, please be aware of scammers that are in the comments that are posing as me. If the comment does not have the name highlighted like you see here on the screen, it is not me and you can report them. I will never ask you to contact me on WhatsApp or contact a representative for me on WhatsApp or Instagram or anything like that. Now, for those who are new here, I partnered with Kobo, the awesome Kobo Vault wallet maker, to give away a Kobo tablet steel seed phrase backup device in every episode of Crypto Over Coffee. And all you have to do to enter that random draw each week is to comment on the video, and I'll pick a winner randomly from the comments. So just for transparency, though, the product is only available in select regions. So if you're from a region where it is not supported, I will just send you some Bitcoin instead. Now, the winner of last week's giveaway by random draw from the comments is here on the screen. So big congratulations to you. And of course, I will be in touch to help you uh, claim your prize. Now, in true crypto over coffee fashion, let's kick off the news section of the video today with some Bitcoin price analysis, which this week's episode is really filled with sort of the, the same six flags style roller coaster ride up and down like we had in Bitcoin this week. So earlier in the week, this week, the celebrations were in full swing with Bitcoin trading up near the 62,000 US dollar mark and bullish sentiments were aplenty on crypto Twitter and everyone was aiming higher still. However, the celebrations were fairly short-lived because Monday saw a large drop down to the 55k mark, which continued into Tuesday to lows in the 54,000s. And then things turned around again in the middle of the week. And here we are at the time of recording, hovering up again by the $60,000 mark. And excitement is brewing again about new all-time highs. So I'm seeing all sorts of predictions, but many of them are for $68,000 new all-time highs by next weekend, which indeed would be quite amazing. But let's talk about what caused this $8,000 drop for Bitcoin's price just about a week ago. From my perspective, early this week after breaking a new all-time high yet again, I think both miners and whale investors took profits at what they viewed to be the local top. And this is expected, and it happens almost every time we've had a new all-time high. Though what didn't happen this time around that we have been seeing in the past is that support did not build quickly at those, you know, those lower prices, but maybe even prices closer to 60K because big investors didn't buy back in at lower prices like they have been. So support did not materialize until the low to mid 50Ks, which ended up being the point at which we moved back upwards from support. Of course, fear, uncertainty, and doubt about India's crypto ban, which seems to happen all the time, yet they never ban it. And the looming tax deadline also probably didn't help. But from here, I think that we're probably going to have another pullback or two before we go to all-time highs. But I think we are on track for new all-time highs as the big boys have consolidated their positions. But what do you think? I'll turn it to you. Let me know in the comments. And again, I'm drinking Red Rooster coffee today. Amazing. Now, fans of Cardano had a fantastic week, both because of the native cryptocurrency ADA holding support well above $1 and tracking towards new tall all-time highs, but also because after years of waiting, Coinbase has officially listed ADA on both their trading platform for pros and their retail investor mobile applications. Candidly, I don't know what Cardano fans are going to talk about on Twitter anymore now that Coinbase has listed ADA, honestly, but 
Jokes aside, I would not give it much longer before Coinbase announces that they'll offer in-app delegation to stake pools on the Cardano network in order to capitalize on a share of the precious staking and delegation rewards that ADA holders can reap from doing so. This type of uh, staking as a service or delegation as a service has been part of Coinbase's strategy for other stakeable cryptocurrencies. So let's see if it holds true here and they add that feature to ADA as well. I did also want to shout out yet another project on the Cardano ecosystem that is starting to use the mainnet multi-asset support to get off the ground even ahead of Cardano Gogan, which we're going to talk about in a second. And that NFT project is called Cardano Kids. Cardano Kids just launched and subsequently sold out their first few series of non-fungible tokens, which are designed after members of the crypto and Cardano community. Though I am not affiliated with Cardano Kids, nor is this video sponsored by them, I was the subject of one of those NFTs, which I am incredibly grateful for. And I bring this up both to bring attention to this really awesome project, which I will link down below, the first NFT project in Cardano's history, if I'm correct in saying that, but also to give you an update on smart contract support with the coming release of Gogan. The phased Gogan launch, which is now underway, we've had two of the three uh, phases complete. It was recently catalyzed by the Mary update that brought native multi-asset support to the Cardano mainnet network. And it looks to continue into the second quarter of 2021 with the launch of the core components that will enable smart contract-based applications to be built on the Cardano network. Based on past updates and the trends that I'm seeing with the launch of Mary, etc., I would estimate that we see Gogan launch in late May of 2021. That's my guess. And when these updates go live, it will allow projects like Cardano Kids and Liquid Finance that we talked about last week, I believe, to rapidly get their more complex application components running on the network. And with that, that will create more utility for ADA as a fee cryptocurrency as well. So the future is bright for Cardano. Fingers crossed for Gogan staying on track or ahead of schedule for a Q2 launch, and I'm very excited to get my hands on it. In other news, I wanted to share some awesome news about the enhanced YubiKey security support for Twitter. For some context, Twitter is often the target for hackers because accounts like Elon Musk's, for example, have so much sway that with one tweet, it can move a market on a stock or cryptocurrency. That power, of course, is one that hackers want, and it's been used in the past. That means that the security of one's Twitter account, particularly if you have a following of a decent size is critical. That being said, you know I'm a huge fan of YubiKeys. I talk about them all the time, which are USB slash NFC hardware keys that facilitate secure authentication for both primary and two-factor authentication. Often they're used as a second factor, like they are today on Twitter, where you enter your password and then subsequently plug in your YubiKey to sign and then complete your login fully. Now, after a fantastic recent update by Twitter, you can now add multiple security keys to your account, both as backups if you were to lose one and just to add another layer of security if you don't need a backup. This means that people no longer need to settle for inferior and insecure backup methods like SMS if they lose their security key and the user experience could not be easier. You sign in, you tap your YubiKey, and you're good to go. I hope that all the big name accounts, and actually every account in general, starts implementing this on their Twitter because it will prevent so many of the account takeovers and scams and other things that we've seen in the past. And so in honor of that, I'm partnering with YubiKey to give away one brand new 5C NFC security key by YubiKey to two lucky winners who comment on this video and subscribe to the channel. Again, if you want to win a YubiKey to use on Twitter, 
please leave a comment down below and subscribe to the channel and you are in the running and I will announce the winners next week. Now, with the absolutely phenomenal and meteoric rise of non-fungible tokens across the blockchain space, it has brought even more scrutiny to the sheer cost of minting and moving NFTs on the Ethereum blockchain. The complaints about gas fees are well-documented and by no means a secret, but users are surely paying the price to participate in the NFT craze. However, my favorite NFT-focused project of all time, which was the subject of Q&A, Engine has developed a couple of projects that are aiming to solve the problems for mainstream NFT use cases and the costs of doing so. The first of these products is a shorter term solution, which is called JumpNet. JumpNet is essentially a layer two bridge network that will allow users to mint and transfer NFTs for nominal or zero fees, which can then be seamlessly transferred P2P as normal. This bridge will work natively with Ethereum's mainnet where Engine's native ENJ token lives as an ERC-20, and users will be able to lock those ENJ tokens in a smart contract on Ethereum to be credited those same tokens on the JumpNet bridge network. Users will then be able to freely move between Ethereum and JumpNet in the future as part of a deeply integrated architecture. So this fee-free network does have one caveat that I want to mention. It is a proof of authority network, which means that it lacks the same decentralized governance and consensus process that a network like Ethereum has. This means that users will need to understand the drawbacks to using JumpNet versus an Ethereum mainnet, for example, and vice versa. However, the longer-term solution is in fact a totally new layer uh, public blockchain, if you will, of Engine's own invention, and that is going to be called Efinity, which will have decentralized governance and fast finality, as well as low fees for users to create complex and rich NFT ecosystems. Using a similar model to how JumpNet works, Efinity will allow users to mint and transact NFTs across many different layer one blockchain networks like Ethereum using bridge contracts. Engine changed the game when they invented the ERC-1155 token standard, and they're continuing to do so with both of these products. So JumpNet is due to launch in early April, so that's very soon, uh, and Efinity will take a little bit longer to launch, but it is well on the way. So the NFT space is no doubt better for having Engine in it, and I'm so excited for what they're working on. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found, and for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech-related fails or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. And speaking of attention, if you want to help this video get some attention or the podcast get some attention from the algorithm robots that govern who gets to hear it or listen to it or see it, please do hit the like button, get subscribed, hit the follow button, because it tells those robots that you're liking what you're watching or listening to and other people might as well. Now, today's absence of logic is actually a cacophony of events that I think people need to be aware of. So often I hear in the comments or on Twitter about the weekly, it seems weekly, life-changing opportunity, quote-unquote, to invest or earn on the latest Binance Smart Chain project. I've been told to get in on Meerkat Finance, Popcorn Swap, and Zap Finance, and more recently the buzz was about Turtle Dex. And all of these projects that I just mentioned have made a runaway with the user's funds in exit scams or rug pools after eventually gathering a ton of investment capital. So, so many people have lost their money on these exit scams and it seems like there's a new one or more than one every single week on Binance Smart Chain. Now, I'm not saying that this doesn't happen on other networks because it does. It happens on Ethereum all the time. So that's not my point. But my point is that the ravenous and honestly diluted nature of many crypto users on the internet 
is driving them to basically bring hundreds or thousands of their peers onto projects that are destined to rug pull and make away with users' funds under the guise of a great opportunity or a fully audited project. It's not only irresponsible, but it has broad effects on the space at large because now you're seeing these big and powerful corporate entities in crypto starting to intervene to try and fix the problem or make the problem easier or just retrieve funds. So Binance themselves are now being pressured to pursue rug pullers and scammers that are using their chain to carry out scams, which to me sets a dangerous precedent that centralized entities are going to fix the problem. In an environment where you have a small subset of people essentially leading a larger group into a scam, pretending there are no potential drawbacks or worries, and then asking a centralized entity for help in cleaning up a mess in a so-called decentralized network is indicative of something totally wrong on all sides of the equation. So the increasing rate of occurrence for these types of events needs to be curtailed. And it, it starts with the community at large, calling out those who are leading people into these quote-unquote audited projects in the first place. Audited smart contracts, just to make it clear, surely do not mean a project is not a scam. It doesn't even mean the contracts are going to work properly. And so anyone claiming or implying that it is super safe because it's an audited smart contract platform should be served a warm cup of 404 logic not found. Now, fans of DeFi will surely know about flash loans, which are a form of uncollateralized loan where one can take out virtually unlimited loan funds without having to put up any collateral as long as they can pay back the principal plus fees in one transaction cycle on the blockchain. In other words, as long as you can return the money in the same transaction block cycle on the network, you can take out a loan without collateral because the short time horizon and the ability to invalidate a transaction on a blockchain before it is consummated in a block protects both the lender and the borrower. Now, a DeFi project, Unilend, has developed their own flash loan product, which will be launching soon, and it brings some pretty interesting key benefits that I've been reading about recently. First of all, Unilens flash loans will give users access to a much larger set of assets to borrow for the loan itself, opening up new opportunities for usage of these loans across the broader DeFi ecosystem. Secondly, the core execution of those flash loans has been made to be more efficient, which will reduce the execution cost of the smart contract logic that drives the flash loans themselves, and that lower cost should be passed to the user. And then finally, holders of the UFT token native to Unilend will be the sort of main recipients for the profits from flash loans, with 70% of the revenue from flash loans being distributed to UFT holders who are participating in the protocol. So I just recently heard about Unilend and I've been digging more details up and learning as much as I can. And I encourage you to look into it yourself if you're interested. So of course, I'll leave a link down below for anyone who's thinking about learning about it. Now, folks, that is going to do it for Crypto Over Coffee this week. But if you have some time to stick around, please do check out the video that I did with the founder of VinoVest, a platform that allows everyday investors to invest in fine wine as a hedge against inflation. I've used their platform now for an entire quarter, and I'm loving it so far, so I wanted to share it. But regardless, thanks so much for watching, and I wish you and your family a wonderful and restful week and weekend ahead. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.